Welcome to Significance with me, Don Muller, and thank you so much for joining me. As a trusted advisor to influential leaders across the world, I help top performers create companies and lives of significance, and I want to do the same for you. On this show, I share insights and interviews that will help you become the best version of yourself for the benefit of others. Make sure you subscribe to Significance on your favorite podcast player, and you can connect with me at donmuller.com. Enjoy the episode. Today I chat to Linda McCormer. Uh, Linda is the national president of ABASA, which is the uh, Association for the Advancement of Black Accountants in Southern Africa. She is also the founder and CEO of Nomotsane Group. She is a non-executive director on various boards and a YALI candidate fellow. Linda is also incredibly passionate about people and transformation, and it was a great pleasure uh, interviewing her in this episode. So enjoy. Right, Linda, uh, really great to have you today uh, on the Significance podcast. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you you are on a very busy schedule at the moment. Um, so thank you so much for, for chatting with us today. My absolute pleasure, Don. Great. Um, and Linda, you know, having uh, worked with you a little bit and, and knowing uh, a little bit about you, um, I thought it might be quite nice just to uh, give those that are listening in a little bit of an insight um, into into your story as a young girl. You know, I know that there's so much that we could explore from from that, but maybe the question I'd like to ask you to start is, uh, Linda, as a little girl uh, growing mm-hmm. up in the Eastern Cape, um, what was your sense back then? Of, of what you wanted to do with your life. I know like when we're younger, we always joke about, you know, what do I want to do when, I, when I'm when i big? Um, but yeah. what was going on in, in Linda's heart and mind um, back then? So, Don, I think from early age, like remembering the type of um, kid I, I was, um, I grew up, my mom was there, my dad, who later on I discovered wasn't my real dad, but really the dad that raised me, um, was we had a nuclear family. Um, I was an only child for like the first nine years of my life, but I always remember being very responsible. Um, And my mom kind of took on mothering my cousin who was my age and um, from my dad's side, also taking in a nephew from his side. So I always ended up being the more <laughs> older, responsible one out of people that are my age. Um, growing up, even at my on my grand's farm, always the one who's washing the dishes while everybody else is kind of like dragging their feet, you know, avoiding the the chores. But I always remember my younger years as being very um, proactive. Um, my dad even talks about it now. He's like, your mom would always say you're very focused. Um, so that's kind of what I remember mostly. And even going into high school, if I think back around the things that I did, sports, um, academics, um, did very well in academics, but kind of like very all-rounded, you know, I always strive to be balanced, but it always came naturally. Um, which kind of links to how I always motivate young people now, um, always wanting to see 
people being more than just the books, like how are we developing all-rounded leaders and, and um, young people, you know, that can be balanced because I think that's what the world kind of needs. Um, and I think having moved, still being young, talking about younger, having to move from like a bits, um, studying at bits and then moving to uh, a forte, you know, um, I think that kind of all-rounded nature that I had coming from possibly a school that gave me more opportunities and seeing how people in other spaces didn't have those opportunities. It triggered me being somebody who wants to see that for other people where they can be exposed to things that make them more all-rounded. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I remember as a young person and the threads that kind of got me to what I'm passionate about, um, especially in my varsity years, being someone who advocated for us being more than just, you know, people that come with our big books, you know, accounting standards and everything, but the world is bigger and how do we prepare for that? So that's kind of my journey as a young person. Great. Uh, thanks for that, Linda. Um, and I mean, even listening to that, um, especially in sort of more the university days, um, it seems like you, number one, were quite gifted and talented. Um, so you had a voice. Um and 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 influence, I guess. Uh, when when did you start noticing um, that that oftentimes what was burning in your heart? You know, you mentioned some of those uh, initial feelings or triggers of opportunities for all. I mean, it's one thing to to have a feeling, and another thing to actually act on it. Uh, mm -hmm. So, when did you start to notice um, that? Maybe people would listen to you or, or resonate with your voice. Um, I think it would be in varsity. Uh, and this would be the second leg of my studies. So at the University of Forte was where I think I kind of started realizing that actually um, I have a role to play. I am a leader and people trust me with a lot of, you know, their hopes and dreams or their thoughts. Um, and probably being the person who's going to help articulate those in the right spaces. Um, and I think it just came from being, I guess, confident in who I was by then. Um, I went through a lot and I think failure and setbacks and, you know, just even having to stand my ground from a family perspective got me to a place where I realized that I think there's a bigger purpose or I'm being prepared for something here, you know, to, to kind of go up against some of the difficult things. Um, and some people might have thought that I would have realized that from high school, you know, having been a prefect and all of those things. But I think in those days, we kind of were put in those positions because maybe we were there from like grade one to matric. Um, we kind of followed the status quo. Um, so you were the goody two-shoes, if I can put it that way. And therefore you get these positions. But I think going into the varsity space and outside of that safe space that high school kind of provided, um, I started realizing that the tools that I've kind of developed in high school, I could actually use them for the greater good. Um, so I got involved in a lot of ABASA um, initiatives. That's where I, my first encounter with the Association for Advancement of Black Accountants of Southern Africa started at the University of Forte. Um, and what it advocates for is is where my my playing ground for 
exercising my leadership strengths started. Um, so I think that's when I started kind of tapping into my, my you know, leadership strengths. Excellent. And, you know, listening to that and even going back to how you grew up and the responsibilities that you almost had uh, from a young age, um, you know, going through even that as a young girl, like with added responsibilities, I guess, where you, you couldn't just be um, a young girl. And uh, and then listening even to, you know, some of the challenges that you faced um, throughout your life. I know that one of the topics that you and I have spoken about before uh, is this whole topic of resilience and grit. And I know, you know, one line that you mentioned to me um, before was that you never feel like giving up is an option. Um, mm. And for those that might be listening um, and they feel like they're almost getting to the end of themselves, um, for yourself, how do you maintain that sense that giving up is not an option, uh, especially when, you know, it's one thing to say that when things are going all right, but yeah. when, when you are almost feeling so knocked down, you know, where do you find the strength to, to keep that resilience going? So I always have this um, thing where I say, um, sometimes we all need to check our privilege, you know, um, and for me, I always have this um, thought in my mind when I'm like, oh my gosh, it, things are going so bad. Like, firstly, I look back at how far I've come and it reminds me of my ability to overcome a lot of things. And, you know, there's a belief in, in a God, in my ancestors, in the fact that even though my mom is not around and my grand who are like the strongest pillars in my life who I lost um, early in life, they still surround me and protect me and you know, I, I do believe that we are meant to be, I will be. But the biggest thing for me in terms of bouncing back is to say there are people who have it worse, you know. Um, and at some point you need to, you know, think about the fact that even your positioning in life, um, if, and maybe let me take it back to when I lost my mom, it was very hard for me to grieve my mom because I had my little brother to think about. So my mindset is always like that, that there are other people that rely on the fact that I keep going. I may be inspiring someone. You know, my journey could be um, a guide for someone else. So giving up is not an option because there are so many other people that need to also know that things can be done, you know. So in as much as it's hard, you realize that there are others that are worst off. You also realize that you are a, an inspiration to other people. Um, but I'm also very careful when I say that because we are all human. And at some at some points, and I'm realizing that more as I grow older, that we must take time to not be okay as well, you know. But in that regrouping process, we remember why we keep doing it. And you've just reminded me of, you know, my purpose in, in the journey that you, you, you helped me along with around being selfless and self-motivated, but the biggest thing I think we always wrapped up on was for the greater good. So Linda's um, situation right now um, cannot be something that pulls me away from delivering on what I believe is my purpose. So if I'm reminded of that, it makes it so much easier for me to bounce back and, and not give up. Yeah, excellent. Um, and... I know that you 
that you just tapped in again on on some of your own exploration of uh, sort of purpose and meaning and remembering you know something that i'm taking away even just from listening to you now is that knowing why we do this knowing why we we are putting our hand up to lead um to try and influence um that sense of why is almost what gives us a bit of an anchor um and a focus point i guess and a bit of hope um mm. to keep going um and you know leadership is also very lonely when you you know it's, it's not a very romantic uh calling in a way i think we we look up and we see people with titles and maybe resources uh, but when you put your hand up to to do something significant it can be quite tough and and quite lonely um and i guess it's the leader's responsibility to really look after themselves and no one yeah. often comes along and and sort of puts their hand on your shoulder and says you know come on how how can how can i assist you here um mm -hmm. so for yourself uh, how have you maintained uh, a sense of of just self care and and keeping yourself um motivated and keeping yourself um almost i guess the, the best word is self care how how have you done that um given the sense that you everyone's almost looking to you uh, to be that for them mm. i think the person who keeps me grounded the most around that is my daughter so i've got an 11 year old and you know just little things when i'm home and she brings me a cup of tea you know and i just remember how it's so nice to have someone else do something for me no matter how small you know um, and some of those things are a reminder to make time. I, I, just this past weekend, I was so deliberate to say, I'm not taking any calls, guys. I'm spending time with my my family. And my family really is my daughter. You know, for me, that's self-care. Um, and in as much as there's all the hustle and bustle, and maybe sometimes we, we preach it more than we practice it. But you know that even if I take time out for like, a couple of days, no one is going to die, you know, maybe things won't move as fast as I like them to move, but maybe sometimes I need to reflect on, am I moving too fast? Um, and I've realized that some of the downtime that I forced myself into comes with some of the most brilliant ideas, those aha moments. So that's also a motivation to just, at times, just take a break, you know, and silence the noise. Um, and and the other thing with not taking time out and, and self-care is we get so worked up around the things that are happening. You know, leadership is tough and there's so many things flying at you. And sometimes we re react more than we respond. And downtime helps you to think about things before you actually respond to them. So those are things I'm learning because I've always been on that momentum. Like you just keep going, keep going, keep going. But you know, even now I'm recovering from the flu <laughs> and I'm just realizing that sometimes the body even tells you before you even tell yourself and you need to listen to that because if anything happens to me today, so they will appoint another president of Abasa and the organization will move on, you know, but I always have to think about the people that can never be able to replace me. Um, and my daughter is really at the center of all of that um, and reminding myself that I need to keep myself and um, okay um, for her sake as well. So, yeah. 
yeah, I think, you know, you touch on something um, really important and I often explore with leaders too is, you know, if if we're so busy and we're not creating time out to actually think, um, mm. you know, who is doing that for our organizations? Then, then we're not necessarily um, leading, we're just maintaining. Yeah. Um, yep. And I know someone like you is called to be a leader and a shaper. Um, and if we are so busy all the time, and we're not crafting that time out to to think. And I, I love what you said. It's almost in those moments where we often get inspiration and where we often get clarity. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to to pick up on that. I, I just think it's something very important. It's I think sometimes we also think that if we push pause, uh, because there's so much on the go, because there's so much need, that actually mm -hmm. it's a selfish thing. But actually, in a way, sometimes I think it's, it's more selfish by by just keeping going because what the people really need from you um, is for you to be in that strategic, uh, energized space. Um, yeah. And you know your daughter too. I, I love how you 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 touched on that. You know your daughter is also going to need um, an energized mom, not just you know she doesn't just need your time uh, where you are absolutely exhausted, but you're mm. present with her. She you know and and you. To get fulfillment from that time with her, I guess you also want to be in that um, energized state. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Linda. Definitely resonates with me. Um, picking up on that too, one of the words that I know we also explored around your story and, and who you are at your core um, mm -hmm. was this word selfless. Um, yeah. And I've just used the word too that you are, I mean, from knowing you, you're an influencer and a shaper. Uh, and you're someone who has got so much talent um, that, that you can't hold back in a way. Um, mm. And I just thought I would like to get your thoughts on how do we stay selfless but not get stuck in false humility? Uh, in other mm. words, you know, that we don't shrink back from really living and dreaming and achieving um, so for you someone who i've almost seen live it where you've you you've remained selfless but actually achieved a lot and are achieving um for you what is the how do you let me phrase it like this how do you realize your ambition and and live a life to the max like you do um and then also coexist with this deep sense of, of purpose of being selfless. How have you maintained that tension for yourself? Sure. It's been, it hasn't been easy, um, Don. I think people around me always like ask me, do you do so much for other people? When are you going to, like, how does it take away from the things that you should be, you know, kind of getting and achieving? And I think most people speak about it in monetary terms. So a lot of the, the work that I do from a transformation space um, is very like selfless to a point of opportunity cost because there are certain things we cannot, um, we probably won't go for because they might compromise our mandate, for instance, you know, um, and opportunities are there. You kind of have to wait until a certain time to be able to grab them. Um, and for me, it's 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 so easy because I, I feel like if I'm living my purpose, um, 
somewhere along the line, the universe rewards you for this contribution you're making to, to mankind. I have this strong belief that what God has ordained, he will sustain. That was one of the, the things that were always in my mind when I jumped from corporate um, to go into the unknown. Like I didn't have a plan in terms of a job, I did nothing. But I just knew that I had to get out of the space and that was like a salary at the end of every month. And to say, this just does not go according to what I believe I should be doing. I don't know where I'm going, but I know that I need to jump, you know. Um, but God has shown himself, you know, um, and there's just a spiritual like alignment that even in the hardest of times, there's always that strong belief that this is like the, you know, the, the darkness before the dawn, you know, like there's always going to be a silver lining and everything and your purpose is going to drive you into that space. So for me, remaining focused, remaining selfless, remaining humble um, has always worked for me. And, and people have always asked me, how do you do it? How, do, how does everyone get so drawn to you? And, want to, and I'm like, the one thing for me is respect, you know, um, never mind the selflessness and, the, and, the, and, and all of that. But, but if you don't do it with respect, People won't come back to you and want to bless you for what you've done for them, you know. And a lot of times we do these things without expecting anything back. But I've seen in my journey that somewhere along the line, God is always there to sustain what it is that he has now ordained you to do. So that's how I balance it without making sure that with my daughter is not feeling like, eh, mom, I'd like a holiday somewhere. And this work of yours is not making us that much money, you know. But I always look at the fact that I'm I'm hoping that I'm also bring a, grooming a young person that understands that some things are beyond the monetary gains. They are what you're contributing to those that follow. You know, um, so yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because mm. there's always a sense of responsibility on things that other people don't want to do. But some of us are given that vision to see this is where I should be going. You know, this is where you you bridge the gap. Um, for the betterment of, you know, the, the greater good. Yeah, and I think, you know, listening to you there too, it's it's about not shrinking back, um, but, but pushing forward and being all that you can be. But mm -hmm. I, I guess what makes it selfless is, is where you use that influence and that advancement and drive and achievement, um, not just for your own personal gain, um, but, but for the yeah. betterment of of those lives that you have the ability to touch. Um, mm. I, I will come back to just chatting a little bit more around that sense of purpose and moving from corporate um, into what it is that you are involved with now. Uh, but you, you also mentioned purpose quite a lot there. And just very briefly, it's a question I get asked very often. Um, you know, how do I achieve this, this sense of purpose? Uh, you know, I'm just uh, a professional or I'm just a student um, and, you know, I feel like maybe I don't have this inspiring sense of purpose. And I listen to to people like Linda speak and she seems to have this purpose thing taped. Um, so I guess just on that, number one, did the sense of purpose for you come in sort of one sort of amazing moment uh, where it kind of landed in your lap? Um, and then number two, what advice would you give someone who is really wanting to explore what their purpose might be 
but I'm just feeling, you know, a little bit lost as to how to get some clarity on that. So the part around people seeing it all like, like I have it all together. <laughs> I think that's the scariest thing when when you listen to people. Like I've listened to so many people come up to me and like, we are so inspired by you, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I need inspiration <laughs> most of the time. Um, but it's not overnight. It's definitely not. And I think experiences kind of drive us to actually think about what it is that our purpose really, really is. Um, and I think the most difficult journeys are the ones that really shape us or lead us to that path where you need to start thinking about what, why am I here? You know, what is it that I'm meant to do? Um, and I can't speak for any other person's journey and, and not to say that people that have smooth sailing throughout their lives um, don't really take time to, to check on purpose, you know, and whether their lives are fulfilling a purpose. I feel when I speak about my journey and how it has not been smooth sailing, it has put me into situations where I have to ask myself, why, you know, why is this happening to me? What is it that I'm supposed to see? I remember every time I failed at something or been disappointed by something, I've always said, what is it that I'm supposed to see out of this? And I think when I've ha had enough times having to say that to myself, to kind of keep myself motivated to say, this is not the end of the world, the, the cu cumulative effect of those experiences got to a point where it's like, but then what am I supposed to be doing with everything that I've learned in this journey? Um, I also had that thing of saying, it's important to share my story. I've always had the thing like people always think that my life has been perfect and it hasn't. Um, and there are people out there thinking their journeys or their lives are not worth it or they can't become what they want to become. And I think that's the point I was like, my purpose is also linked to sharing this journey, um, being there for people, speaking out, using my voice. You know, there are people that can't use their voice or not given the platform to use their voice but I think it, it came later on and I was like I always used to dream <laughs> like I'd stand in front of people and tell stories or share a journey or inspire people since varsity I've had that in my head and that vision has always come when I've been at my saddest or most disappointed moments um, so by the time you get out of that um, it's about saying now how do I live this this purpose or this vision that I've been seeing that I know is not a mistake, you know, it's not a hallucination. It's something that is planted in me and I need to fulfill that. So to answer your question, it's definitely not going to be a glorious, glamorous, you know, aha revelation um, all at once. It comes in bits and pieces of pain, um, but it also comes with a resilience and a maturity to know that everything in life happens for a reason. And if you can find that, um, it's going to lead you closer to what your purpose is. If you can spend enough time with yourself introspecting around what's happening in your life and why it's happening, I think mm. the purpose does come from that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, right at the end there, you you had almost um, <clears throat> word for word picked up on what I had written down while I was listening to you. But, you know, listening to to what you were sharing there, there's a sense of curiosity 
Um, and I think, you know, I believe that discovering your purpose is a journey. You use that word too. It's not like a destination. Um, yeah. And you also mentioned a very uh, simple word or simple question we can ask ourselves in every experience in life. And that is why, um, why am I feeling this way? Why is this uh, causing a, almost like a, a righteous discontent within me? Why is it that I need to speak up here? But you also mentioned, you know, that sometimes even in the space where we might not be facing a challenge, we can still get curious and, and ask mm. ourselves, well, why is this exciting me? Um, why was listening to that person so inspiring for me? And I think the more curious and inquisitive we can get and just ask ourselves why, uh, by you know, and watching your story too and listening to what you were saying, uh, maybe just even some advice to people that are listening, just get curious and and ask yourself why and you know get intentional around what what you start uh, discovering. And mm. you'll notice that you know the the your sense of of purpose will almost slowly become that much clearer and clearer, and we learn more as we go. Um, and Linda, I just want to pick up too on that sense of of purpose and and meaning for you. And I know uh, a big almost sentence that I've heard you uh, mention over and over in working with you and knowing you is this idea of for the greater good. Mm. And I guess it ties into what you're also saying about leaving corporate. But right now, with what you're involved in, um, what was that greater good that almost started to uh, burn in your bones, for lack of a better statement, um, that made you say, because I mean, you're an incredibly talented woman. You could uh, almost have a whole lineup of different opportunities uh, in corporate that would be potentially making you lots of money and, and growing your stature and your status, but you are choosing to to give yourself to something of a greater good. So, what is the greater good right now um, that that you feel you are involved with, and, and what is the impact that you desire to make uh, for the greater good? So. The work then would be that we're talking about right now would probably be around the transformation space, uh, which Abasa has like fully like entrenched me in um, over 10 years of doing this from like student chapter days. And for me, I think the biggest trigger was just seeing the differences between, you, the, you know, my tr transition from one university, which was a pretty privileged one <laughs> a bit and then seeing how things were at Forte, I think that did trigger something for me. And also it was a coming home because I'm based in the Eastern Cape, but my journey would have taken me to a Joburg, you know. Then coming back and seeing that the opportunities are not the same, but why is it that a child in the Eastern Cape does not get the same opportunities as one in, in Joburg, you know? Um, and it goes back now as, as I've grown in my journey within the transformation and advocacy space, linked very strongly to education. And if we look at where we are as a country, um, we're going back to the fact that the grassroots are now even a bigger problem, you know, and COVID has highlighted all those things. So that sense of greater good and, and why am I so focused on things that are happening in the Eastern Cape when I live in a Joburg, 
you know, and my daughter can go to um, a good school. Um, why, is, why is that not enough for me? And it's not because when we look at the kids that come to a Joburg, they are coming from the remote spaces. And even my, my, my voice and the way I've been using my voice journeying across the country through these roadshows is to say, we enjoy so much privilege. And I'm going back to this word of checking our privilege at every step of our journey that we can't leave other people behind. Because at some point in our lives, we were pulled into these spaces of having it a bit better by someone else who felt that they could not leave other people behind. So if I can be part from a greater good perspective of continuing that process and making sure that we don't forget where we come from so that we can bring others along, that's a big thing for me. And the reason why it's so important is that the more of us that can participate, that's when that's my, my vision of success, that it can't just be me. It's the same thing now we've come out of Women's Month and we talk about glass ceilings and women that get into the leadership positions that everyone aspires um, for, but then people don't pull the next person up. They want to be the only ones. So I've never had that, that sense of wanting to be the only one. I've always liked having more people in the room. So for me, I'm like, from a woman perspective, from a race perspective, we have a country that still has a long way to go. And we need leaders that are going to advocate for that and do it selflessly. And that's why it's such a big thing. And going back to even my, my history in terms of my family, my great grandfather fought um, in frontier wars, you know, um, risking his life for the betterment of um, a Kosa nation and, and black people and the, the issues around land, you know, um, and that's a selfless thing. There was nothing he was really going to gain from that. Um, but knowing that he had a purpose, you know, um, and as a chief, he had to kind of lead his people into, I guess, the promised land, if I can put it that way. Um, and I mean, he died on Robben Island and all those years ago, but a lot of the things that he fought for, we are still kind of fighting for in our own way in this day and age. So for me, it's also that whole thing of carrying on the baton. So I always believe that in families, there are those that are chosen to do certain things. I mean, I'm sure there's someone in my family that should be doing this and not me, but I have that sense of legacy and responsibility to his legacy that in my generation, I will be the one who continues that struggle, you know? So yeah, that's for me, ultimately the greater good. Yeah, I love it. I love it, Linda. Um, just coming back to Abasa, um, if, if have you, uh, you might've heard what an elevator pitch is before, but it's like, you know, you, you get into a, a lift or an elevator with someone and they ask you, you know, what it is that you do and you've got a short amount of time to almost uh, communicate to them uh, the essence of what you do. So if I had to, number, just because there might be some people uh, listening that haven't been exposed to Abasa and, and what it does mm -hmm. and the, the heart of it, uh, maybe just talk to us a little bit around what Abasa, the actual acronym is. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if I had to ask you for a bit of an elevator pitch around what you see the the purpose of a BASA being. Um, so yeah, what a BASA means and, and a quick elevator pitch around, you know, why a BASA exists. Cool. 
Um, so ABASA is the Association for the Advancement of Black Accountants of Southern Africa. Uh, name is pretty self-explanatory that it really advocates for making sure that black people within the accounting profession in Southern Africa are um, their interests are, you know, attended to. So we come from a country that has a, a dispensation that wasn't for um, the black black people. So we play a role as a black advocacy group together with other advocacy groups such as BMF and APSIP and your BBCs uh, to make sure that the different sectors in our country do take transformation seriously. So our focus is within the accounting and auditing sector. Um, so we will probably be in conversation a lot with your South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, your professional accountants, um, internal auditors and so forth to make sure that the transformation targets within our sector are met. That would be the elevator pitch. I love it. Thanks, Linda. And, um, you know, even just in that name with the sort of advancement of black accountants um, mm. and, and listening to your sense of the greater good, I know um, your your previous president, uh, Ashley Dickens, who uh, is another in amazing and inspiring leader, and I know you know he's he's impacted both our lives but i know when when he was president he he asked me to come and and run a team session with his sort of executive team at abasa and i was kind of mm -hmm. like well actually i'm a white male you know why <laughs> would you bring me into the space and he said well no abasa isn't just for for black accountants um abasa is for everyone so you know that kind of yeah. taps into your sense too of the greater good that this organization mm. and its vision Although it does drive an equality agenda, uh, you know, I was quite inspired when I saw Ashley actually invite me to speak into that space, that it actually didn't have this us versus them mentality. Uh, yeah. And then also, you know, you spoke about Women's Month and, you know, again, it's not just about uh, advancing women only, but you used this mm. word around pull up the next person. Um, so guess bringing it to a question um how do you see a bossa um pulling up everyone <laughs> so even though you've got a very specific vision uh you know how do you if if you were speaking to a a white male for example mm. um how would you see a bossa being for their greater good too um and and not just for a particular group yeah so I like to say thing this this uh, phrase that we need to start seeing transformation as an ethical imperative. Um, if we understand the context of our country, whether I come to you as a black individual in South Africa or a white man in South Africa, if we are striving overall as a country, as a people, you know, in the times we live, to be ethical transformation is an ethical drive. And until we start reinforcing that it is the right thing to do, because I mean, if we go back to, to basics and what the textbooks say, and these are textbooks that we had to go through in our journey as accountants, what is ethics? Ethics is the difference between right and wrong. And when you look at where our country is coming from and how black people were marginalized, um, kept away from the opportunities, you know, and a small elite were dominating over the resources of the country and the opportunities. If we are called to be ethical and if we have seen what it has done to our country, 
and we want to do the right thing, then it shouldn't be difficult for me to make a fellow um, white accountant, let me put it in that space, understand what Abasa is trying to do to make sure that everybody has a fair chance um, at opportunities in our country. Um, and it doesn't take away. And I think a lot of people always worry that our transformation uh, lobby groups are going to do the reverse of what apartheid did. And I don't think that's correct. I think it's just that we need to accelerate our efforts equitably so that people who didn't have those opportunities before are given an extra leg so that they can be on par with their white counterparts. So I think at the core of it for me, and I mean, even the Employment Equity Commission does use the slogan that transformation makes business sense. So if I come at that angle, even as maybe if I'm talking to a white businessman or a head of an organization, you know, who is white and to say, but everything that we are showing and, and the, the, the business case for this is so positive. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to make sure more black people are sitting in influential positions? Why would you not want women to be sitting in influential positions? It makes business sense. But at the core of it, I don't want people to see it as a business transaction when we do transformation, right? But to see it as the right thing to do, see it as the ethical thing to do. And mm. as accountants, that should be easy. Yeah, I love that, Linda. And, you know, I'm sitting here in the UK um, and you know, people might be listening from other contexts and, you know, although we've grown up in the South African context, I'm sitting here mm. and we've had things like Brexit and, you know, being exposed to things like classism and, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the gender equality um, sort of transformation that needs to take place. And if we can view whatever, because wherever you live in the world, there is going to be inequality, whether it's race, yeah. whether it's tribe, uh, whether it's language. And I guess what I'm picking out and what I'd love to to just leave uh, listeners with is that sense of, you know, we'll all have our own bias and, and we'll all have um, these differences that sometimes we can't understand. But if we can almost deepen our core hang on to that agenda that that equality isn't just for the lenders of the world. It's for all of mm. us to have this deep sense of this is the ethical thing to do. Um, yeah. If we could all work from that space, I think, you know, we can change the world. So, so yeah, thanks yeah. for that, Linda. Um, I guess in closing, um, I know you also spoke earlier about um, your dream for, for what you are seeing, the role that leaders uh, need to fulfill um, and and almost the charge that leaders need to step up. Um, if I had to ask you for your final thoughts around a message to leaders around who you feel they need to be, um, what would be sort of your words of, of motivation or, or challenge for them? Uh, who is it that, that you would want leaders to be um, in our society today? The first thing that comes to mind um, and probably a superpower for anybody is just be yourself. I think we are so tired as a, as a people of having leaders that want to emulate something else or conform to a status quo once they get to where they are. I think the most brilliant leaders are the leaders that don't leave themselves at the door 
um, once they have arrived um, and they don't forget the journey and, and the, the, the challenges that have brought them to where they are. I think those are the leaders that are gonna change the world. I also think leaders that appreciate the views of young people are the leaders that are gonna go far um, because intergenerational alignment in this day and age is so important to make sure that your feet are always on the ground. We're always understanding our people. So authenticity, remaining true to ourselves um, and being knowledgeable of the people that follow and their needs. I think those are the three things that a leader needs to be in this day and age. Mm. Inspiring, Linda. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I know I'm feeling inspired by you once again, and I know everyone listening in um, will be. And I guess I want to just thank you for not leaving yourself at the door, um, for for always bringing authentically yourself uh, to, to all that you do. Um, just before we say uh, goodbye, um, if people wanted to find out a little bit more about Abasa and maybe even follow you um, on various platforms, is is there sort of uh, platforms or or uh, usernames that that they could search for? How could people almost engage with you more? So I am the CEO of Nomachawe Group before I'm the president of Abasa. <laughs> So let me not leave myself at the door. Yeah. Uh, but I do have my website. I'm available on www.nomachawe.com. I'm on all social media platforms as my name and surname Linda Makoma. And Abasa um, has an amazing website, www.abasa.org.za. Um, and that links you to all our different social media platforms. Um, so people can really find us there. And I'd like people to not only look at what you're doing, but really kind of, you know, get involved in, in some of the stuff that organizations like Abasa are, are getting up to. Excellent, Linda. Thanks. And I will, listeners, uh, put those details um, of the various websites um, in, in the description for this podcast episode. So please do check it out. Um, Linda is someone that I could have spent five hours with. Uh, so, you know, definitely go check out her, her websites and her various social media platforms because you will continue to be inspired by this amazing woman. So, Linda, thank you so much for making the time. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for inspiring us today. Thank you, Don, and thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Linda. Uh, chat to you soon. Cool. Thanks, hey, bye. Thank you for tuning in to Significance with me, Don Muller. Hit subscribe now so you won't miss an episode. As a leadership consultant, I work with CEOs, top executives and their teams to unlock their full potential in business and in life. To find out more about me, about what I do, and to get in touch, visit donmuller.com.